0: BGC, good morning. Welcome to another Sunday of virtual worship. I don't know where you're at right now, if you're in your living room with your family, or maybe you're still in bed with your PJs, a cup of coffee, it's all good. Uh, I'm not sure where you are, who you are, maybe on your mobile device. I'm just really glad that we're here. I'm glad that you've carved out some time this morning. And my prayer for all of us has been that, As we seek to draw near to God this morning, he would draw near to us. And so if you're just new to the church or you're you're a guest that's been checking us out online, uh, welcome to you as well. I'm Jason, I'm one of the pastors here at the church, and I'm really glad that you've chosen to worship with us this morning. Well, I don't know, but I'm sure that probably a lot of you are feeling like my family and I are, and that um, it can seem like we're living in the movie Groundhog Day. And each day I wake up, it feels a lot like the day before. But when I slow down long enough and think about it, I'm still amazed and it's just crazy how much really has changed. We're living at a time of constant change. And for the Russells, like many of you, that can be tangibly felt, tangibly felt when I'm thinking about the spring. The spring for us is typically a time between work and school and church and sports. Our family is going at full tilt. And typically in the spring, my yard is lucky to see me maybe once or twice every couple of weeks. Guys, I'm telling you, my yard has never looked so good. I mean, I'm always out there. When it's nice out, I'm trimming something or cutting something or moving something or cleaning something up. My yard is sick and tired of seeing me now. Things have changed. Work has changed. School has changed. Church has changed. Almost every one of our normal routines and activities have changed. We're living amidst amazing changes. And the question I want to consider this morning is, in a world that's full of change, whether we're living in a coronavirus world or not, our world that's full of change, in our world full of change, is there anywhere, is there anyone to whom we can go and know that he's always the same? The Bible's answer to that question is a resounding yes. A resounding yes there is. In a world that's full of constant change, God himself remains the same. God remains the same. For the next few weeks in the month of May, we're going to be focusing our attention on the attributes of God and thinking together about who he is and what he's like. We'll be talking about things like the sovereignty of God, his control and rule over all things, the love of God, the justice of God. This morning, what I want to focus on today is God's immutability, his unchanging character. All that God is, all that he is, he is all the time. God always remains the same. He never changes. If you've ever spoken to anybody who has moved around a lot in life and has experienced a lot of change, one of the things you might hear them speak fondly of is a place or a person that has remained constant for them throughout their lives. Maybe it's a place in their hometown, or maybe it's a spot they would go and visit every summer with their family, or maybe it's a relative, someone they knew they could always turn to. You see, there's a very stabilizing effect that happens to us when we have a point of reference. There's a stabilizing effect For all of us, when we know there's there's a constant, there's something that remains the same. For us as Christians, our constant, our stabilizing center is God himself, our God who remains the same, our God who never changes. And so that's what we want to do this morning. We want to press into knowing him. We want to lean in. We want to look at what his word says, and we want to know our unchanging God. That is what's going to provide us constant stability amidst a world of constant change. Well, how do we know that God is unchanging? Where do we go to find this? How do we know that this is how God is? How do we know that he's a God who remains the same? Well, there's a number of different ways that we can look at this, but I think two that seem to stand out to me, two ways that we know that God remains the same, that God never changes, is by looking at what he says and what he does what God says and what God does. I'm so grateful that God is a speaking God. God is a God who makes himself known. He speaks to us, he says things to us. God doesn't leave it up to you and I to figure out who he is. God makes himself known to us. He says, let's get to know each other. I'll go first. And that's what the Bible is. It's God's self-disclosure to men and women, boys and girls, human beings that he wants to have a relationship with. That's how we know what God is like. We know this more specifically when the Bible communicates to us, when God, through his word, names himself, right? God doesn't leave it up to us to name him. God names himself. So think of when he appeared to Moses. What did he say? He said, I am. Call me, I am. I am who I am. I am who I've always been. I am who I always will be. I am the unchanging, self-sufficient God. That's who I am. That's what he says to Moses. But God also uses various images of himself to tell us what he's like and to communicate to us who he is, what his nature is, his character. So God calls himself things like shepherd or a potter who forms clay. He says he's like a warrior or a king, a husband. God has all these images that he uses of himself to communicate what he's like. But as it relates to God's immutability, his unchanging character, there's nothing that quite vividly communicates that like this. God calls himself a rock. Listen to what Deuteronomy 32 says. Give ear, O heavens, and I will speak, and let the earth hear the words of my mouth. I will proclaim the name of the Lord, the rock, the rock. His work is perfect, for all his ways are justice, a God of faithfulness, and without iniquity, just and upright is he. See, God is who he is, and he will never, ever change. He's a rock. When he means to communicate and teach to us his unchanging character, he says, call me the rock. My son Silas and I have been getting into rock climbing, and one of the things that we do is we watch these documentaries to get hype about climbing and to learn more about the sport. And recently, uh, we watched The Dawn Wall. The Dawn Wall is a documentary about climber Tommy Caldwell. Uh, Tommy's a world-class cl- climber, he is incredible at the sport, but he's also a guy who has known a lot of adversity. And what you come to find out in this documentary is that his ascent up El Capitan, the Dawn Wall of El Capitan, was actually born out of diversity. It was a time in Tommy's life that a lot had changed, a time when he was brokenhearted, a time when a lot was uncertain. And in that time, Tommy just didn't invest himself in rock climbing. He invested himself in a rock. He invested himself in the Dawn Wall of Al Capitan. Now, as I've thought about that and I've pondered it since I've watched that, I thought, wow, that's really profound. Here's a guy who, when life is uncertain and life is full of change, what does he do? He devotes himself to something that's unchanging. He devotes himself to a rock. Man, isn't that to be the case for us? For those of us who call Jesus Lord, for those of us who are disciples of Christ, to those of us who claim to know the living God who calls himself the rock, in times of change, shouldn't our lives be characterized by devotion to a rock, to our unchanging God? You see, Tommy became a student of this rock. Tommy scoured the rock For over a year, memorizing it and studying it and devoting himself to knowing, to know where the handholds were, to know where he could plant his feet, he became immersed in a rock. He devoted himself to something magnificent. He devoted himself to a monumental, unchanging project, this rock, at a time in life for him that was really uncertain. Friends, are you and I doing the same? Whether it's the world that we're living in now or any other time of our lives, one thing that we are sure of is that we're constantly going to be dealing with change. To live in this world is to deal with change. In the midst of our changes, are we devoting ourselves to the rock? Are we devoting ourselves and investing ourselves in knowing our unchanging God? That's what provides us stability and that's what gives us a steady and firm hope for the future now no doubt many of you are doing that many of you are devoting your time right now that you've got our hand, some of the space that's opened up in your in your schedules no doubt you're spending time learning and devoting yourself to god our rock and no doubt you're experiencing the benefits of that we've talked about that before there's a confidence that you have there's a hope that you have there's a peace and a, and a calmness that you experience because you're close to God and you're experiencing his unchanging character and his word to you is alive and fresh. Keep going. Keep pressing in to knowing your God, to knowing your rock, devoting yourself to him and drawing near to him. But maybe you're like me and this time, maybe you've had a lot of ups and downs. Sometimes you do feel close to God, at other times you just wanna get away and you wanna escape. You don't feel like dealing with the stress of this situation, the responsibilities of work or whatever, the feelings that we have. We want to at least temporarily get out of, of the ruts that we can find ourselves in. And we don't devote ourselves to the rock. We can actually devote ourselves to many other things. Well, this morning, you're taking a step. You're here, right? And the good news is that if we don't feel particularly close to God, The good news is that we can start right now. In fact, you're doing it right now. You're taking a step toward God and watching this sermon and watching this worship experience. You're taking a step toward God. That's how we do it. By reading His Word and by praying, God has made Himself available to us. And even though it's not easy, it's not complicated. We get out God's Word and we look into it and we pray, God, Through the power of your spirit, would you speak to me? Help me to know you. Help me to understand you, my God, my rock, my unchanging shelter in whatever storm it is that I'm going through. And God loves to answer those prayers. God hears and loves to respond to those prayers. Why? Because he's a rock. He's unchanging, and that's what he's promised to do for his people. If we draw near to him, He will draw near to us. I pray that that's your experience, even this morning, that God would draw near to you as you're seeking to draw near to him. He is an unchanging rock. We know that because of what he says, by the words that he uses, the names that he calls himself, but we also know that by what he does. We know that God is unchanging by what he says and by what he does. When talking about God as an unchanging rock, I always want to be careful that what doesn't come to mind is some cold, detached, like emotionalist person. That's, the Bible couldn't paint a more stark, contrasting picture of that than God. The God of the Bible is a God who passionately, persistently, consistently, constantly pursues the world that he's created In justice and in love. That's who God is. That's what He does. God pursues the world in justice and in love. This is all over the Bible. This is all over the pages of Scripture. The God of the Bible is one who pursues His people in justice and in love. Consider the first opening pages of the Bible, the book of Genesis, when Adam and Eve decide they're not really interested in doing what God wants them to do. They're gonna do things their own way. They sin and they rebel against God and they choose to go their own direction. Now, you would think that Adam would say something like this, yeah, I haven't seen or heard from God since that day. Haven't seen him, haven't heard from him. That moment when I decided to go my own way, God left me on my own. That's not what the Bible says. That's not what God does. What does God do? The very next thing that God does is go looking for Adam and Eve. After they sin, they go hiding for God. Now God knows what they've done. God's not playing hide and seek. He's saying, where are you guys? Not because he doesn't know, but because he's pursuing them in justice and in love. That's what God does. Yeah, he calls them out. He's not shy to tell them what they've done. But then God makes provision for Adam and Eve to continue to live in a relationship with himself in the world that he's created. That's the storyline of the rest of the Bible. God pursuing the world in justice and in love, making provision for you and I to be in a relationship with himself. You know, that's why we can be so sure. This morning, if you're wondering, yeah, can I really be sure that if I pursue God, he'll respond favorably to me. Absolutely. Because ultimately our hope doesn't rely on the fact that I'm pursuing God. Our hope and our confidence and our surety lies in the unchanging God is the one who pursues me. It's not vice versa. I pursue my pursuit of God. Your pursuit of God is contingent upon his pursuing us and God's the great initiator. God's the one who takes the first step. God's the one who's pursuing you and me, and that's where our hope lies. That's good news. Fast forward a little bit in your Bibles. What about the book of Jonah? Uh, Guys, you remember, BGC guys, you remember that not long ago we studied the book of Jonah. Tom Flatt did an excellent job leading us through a study of this book. And it still continues to really resonate with me right? The book of Jonah, as we saw, as Tom said, is not about a fish. The book of Jonah is not about a guy getting swallowed up in a fish. The book of Jonah is about what God does. It's about God pursuing the world that he's made, pursuing men and women created in his image with justice and with love. You see, Jonah's not interested in doing what God wants him to do. He's running away from God. And what does God do? God pursues Jonah. God goes after him, he chases him down because God pursues the world in justice and love. That's what he does. God pursues Jonah because his heart of compassion and mercy is such that he wants Jonah to repent and to turn to God and to do what God's calling him to do because God wants the people of Nineveh to repent and to know his compassion and his mercy and his justice and his love when they turn and repent and put their faith and trust in him. That's who God is that's what god does that's god's unchanging character to you and to me i was talking with my friend brandon page this week we were going back and forth on marco polo and he said something that was really uh insightful he said you know i never have to wonder i never have to gauge god's mood god's never moody you know sometimes how when you're hanging out with somebody or you're around somebody you kind of uh, gauge and take the, the the temperature a little bit to know where's this person at. Is he happy? Is she sad? Are they up? Are they down? Because I'm going to kind of adjust and pivot accordingly. God's never moody. God, you never know what you might expect when you go to God because His emotions are fluctuating. God is never like that. God is always firm and steady. He's unchanging. There's no shadow of turning with Him. That's how we. That's who we encounter when we go to God. And that's very good news. You see, Adam and Eve, the story of Jonah, these are all foretastes. they're like shadows that point us to the greater reality. What does God ultimately do? What God ultimately does is move into our planet. The action that speaks the loudest is when God himself takes on flesh and bones and comes and lives on planet Earth right? The greatest missionary story ever told is the one that's told of God the Son who comes to his earth, who leaves the comforts of heaven and comes to live with you and I here on this earth. And in justice and in love, he pursues The earth when jesus hangs and dies and bleeds on a cross he's satisfying the justice of god he's paying the penalty for our sins he's satisfying the justice of god when he gives of himself and pours himself out in love for sinners like you and for me but that's not it he rises again from the dead he makes provision for us to come into an unending relationship with god So that we can live in fellowship, in community with God forever and ever and ever. That's what God does. That's who he is. He pursues us in Christ with justice and with love. We know that God's going to complete the work that he's begun because we know that God never changes. When he begins a good work in us, Philippians tells us this, when he begins something, he never gets bored and tired and gets distracted with something else if he's begun a good work in us in Christ, if he's raised us from the dead, if he's called us out of our sin and transformed us and made us new and set us on a path towards heaven, set us on this trajectory that he's going to complete his work of restoring us into a complete relationship with himself, unending, where we're living with him, he's living with us, we're dwelling in the presence of God forever and ever together, worshiping, serving, partying, being joyful in his presence. We know that that's going to happen because God never changes. He always completes what he begins because he cannot change. That's really good news. That's really good news. Now, I know that in the best of times, it's hard to see how that all fits together, how it applies to our lives. I know that in the normal course of our lives, that it's difficult to apply these things and to remember God is unchanging. That's especially true in times when circumstances and emotions are in flux, and that's the world we're living in right now. And so how does God help us? What does he do for us now? What does he do to help us in our times of need? Well, I think many right now continue to touch real fear even as this season lingers on, fear hasn't abated. In fact, for some, it's it's heightening as the death tolls keep on rising. Fear anything from losing a loved one uh, to contracting sickness of your, in yourself. There's fears about dying. There's fears about uh, loved ones dying. There's fears of jobs being lost. There's fears of... Um, our future. There's fears of, for our kids. The fears just build and build and build. Fear is a very common emotion for many of us right now. What does God do for us in our fear? He gives us his promise. He gives us his unchanging promise that's based on his unchanging character. Isaiah 41.10, God says, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. That's what God does. He gives to fearful people His unchanging promises that we might go back to God with those promises and say, God, help me. I'm fearful. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know how this is going to turn out, but you're unchanging. And this is what you've said. Would you be an unchanging God for me? Would you strengthen me? Would you help me? Would you cause me to stand because I can't stand for myself? That's what God does. He gives us his promises. Some are still struggling and continue to struggle with a real sense of sorrow or disappointment or depression. Many are dealing with this in very tangible and real ways right now. Anything from, like I said, the the loss of life, loss of loved ones, or just the reality of so many perishing right now, to being upset and disappointed that whatever it was that you were looking forward to enjoying, it's not happening anymore. And everything in between, we're dealing with sorrow over all of these things. We're dealing with sorrow over the loss of spending time in person with one another. We're dealing with the disappointment of not being able to go and to do what we normally have been accustomed to doing. There's disappointments and sorrow about all kinds of things. And when depression sets in and when that feeling of hopelessness sets in, what does God do? What does he give to us? He gives to us his unchanging promises. Psalm 30, verse 5, weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning. Friends, we go to God with his promises. He's given us his promises that we might take him back to him and say, God, this is what you said. You are the unchanging God. You are the God who brings joy to sorrow. You are the God who says that weeping may last for a night, but there's joy to be found in the morning. In my night of weeping, would you restore joy to my heart in the morning of celebration? Would you do something? Would you encourage me? Would you act in such a way that my heart would experience joy even at this dark time? That's what God does. He gives us his promise that we might take him back to God and depend on his righteous, unchanging character to do what he says he will do. Now, others, during this time of isolation, maybe maybe in spending so much time with yourself that you begin to be contemplative, and that's not always a good thing. And maybe what you're seeing and having to deal with for the first time, maybe in a long time, is just things about yourself that you wish weren't so. Maybe... Maybe this season hasn't been marked by some great pursuit in knowing the Rock, our God. Maybe you've actually given yourself to destructive habits. Maybe you've spent a lion's share of your time doing things that you know, even if temporarily they feel good, long-lasting effects are devastating. What does God do for us in those moments? What does God do for us when we're trapped, feeling trapped in our guilt and our shame? He gives us his promises. Romans 8, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I am sure of this, Paul says. I am confident of this. I'm sure of this, that nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate you and I from the love of God in Jesus Christ. And he says that if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the flesh, you'll live, you'll know true peace and freedom. These are God's promises. This is what he does. He gives us his promises that we might return back to him and say, God, you are the God unchanging you remain the same this is what your word says i am helpless without you but you promise that your love will never i will never be separated from your love and so i'm pressing in once again i don't deserve this but i need you right now would you draw near to me as i draw near to you and god will in jesus christ if we are in christ god promises to draw near to us as we draw near to Him to strengthen us and to battle whatever temptation, whatever guilt, whatever shame we feel weighs on us. Only Christ can remove that. Only in Jesus are we guaranteed of God's unchanging love. That's who God is. He's unchanging. In all of His ways, He's unchanging, and His promises are true. Sometimes in rock climbing, you only have a sliver to hold on to. You only have a small crack or something that's just a tiny ledge for you to stick a toe on or a, t- a fingertip. At other times, though, you've got such a ledge or such a boulder that you can firmly grab onto and firmly dig in and plant your foot on. God, that, guys, that's how God's Word is. Sometimes God's Word feels like that. It's hard to understand, and we don't quite know what the text might be saying to us, and it feels like, I just got a fingertip on this. Not God's promises though. God's promises are firm. You can dig in on them. You can plant your foot down and stand firm on the promises of God. Why? Because they're based in God's unchanging character. He is who he is and he will always be that way. He never changes. And that's what provides us stability. That's what provides us peace. And that provides us a steadiness through any season of life, in good or in bad times. Friends, we're gonna get through this time. This will eventually end. But our hope, our hope does not lie in the fact that life will go back to normal. Because even when we go back to normal, whatever normal is going to look like, one thing that we continue to be sure of is that more change awaits us. There'll be some new circumstance. There'll be some new situation. There'll be some trial. There'll be some blessing. Our lives are always dynamic. They're never static. We never stay the same. That's what it means to live in this world. Our hope does not rely on whether we go back to normal again. Our hope lies in our unchanging rock. Our hope and our stability lies in the character of God himself. If we are near to him, if we are pursuing him, if we're knowing him, if we're devoting ourselves to him, our rock, that's where our stability comes from. That's where our peace comes from. God has done everything necessary to bring us into a relationship with himself, and he will complete that work of drawing us to himself and keeping us there for all of eternity. And that, friends, that's what gives us a steady and firm hope all the way to the end. That's my prayer for you. That's my prayer for myself. I pray that in this week ahead, you would know the unchanging character of God and that would bring to you a sense of stability. That would bring to you a sense of peace, a sense of hope that you can not only live out of that hope, but share that hope with others who are around you. I love you guys. God bless you. I'm praying for you. And have a great week in the Lord as a new week begins tomorrow. I'll see you soon.